finishes. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome back to the crease dive. Today is Friday, March 1st, and down go the Loyola Greyhounds. I am Jordy from Barstool, and with me again for a second week in a row, we've got CMS at Call Me Shitto. Jake, what's going on, man? Uh, it's great to have you again, and, and what a week already, huh? Uh, man, I caught the game last night. That was crazy. Glad to be here. Let's get into it. Yeah, so uh, if in case anyone was uh, living under a rock, we had a top 10 matchup, a midweek matchup with the Loyola Greyhounds going over to Johnny United Stadium to take on the Towson Tigers in a nice little battle of Baltimore there. And uh, I mean, this one this one lived up to, to the hype. I mean, anytime you can get two top 10 teams going uh, in the middle of the week, you know, because like, Think about the college lacrosse schedule. Like all the games are usually on Saturdays and like like 80% of them are like 12 p.m. starts. So like, you know, there could be like five like really good games going on at the same time. And you're like, you know, you got one on the TV, one on your laptop, one on like an iPad. You're like trying to like figure out how to get another one on your phone. So it's like really easy to miss some college lacrosse over the weekend. Uh, so when you can get one of these games in the middle of the week, when just all eyes can be on that game, uh, it's it's definitely huge for the sport, and uh, I mean this one obviously lived up to it. Nice little thrilling twelve ten win for Towson. So uh, you know, it, what, what were your thoughts on on that game last night? Uh, one of, one of my biggest thoughts going in was a rivalry game. You know, this is it, it, the the Charles Street rivalry. You've got all these schools within you know a very close proximity of each other and they've over the years it's not just lacrosse where they have a rivalry they have a rivalry with their women's teams with their football teams shit probably with their badminton teams who gives a fuck you know and i think that that really adds a, a different element to the game if it was like i don't know if if you had a a, a different team making a long travel you know like a UMass back in the day coming down to Loyola, just it wouldn't be the same, you know. And and when you have a, a, a big rivalry game that means a lot to these players, like these players get to play and they're like, you know, years later they're gonna be talking about you remember how we how we you know got Loyola at the, when they were number one, you know, the the, the McLean brothers are gonna be, you know, wherever they are. Brent Brendan Sunday's gonna be in the in the PLL or the MLL talking about, you know, hey, remember when we when we smoked you guys at, at you know. Hey, real game, quick, so. have you ever have you ever seen a uh, a Towson versus Loyola badminton game? Because it gets pretty fucking intense, man. You know, I haven't. Uh, maybe if they'll stream it, stream it on ESPN Plus, I got fucking suckered into that. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, shuttlecocks going all over the place. Uh, but yeah, dude, you brought up the name Brendan Sunday, dude. This kid is a killer. So I don't know. I I, I guess I just you know maybe I wasn't paying too close of attention but like no one before the season was talking about brendan sunday just being an assassin out there uh the games that he's been putting up here to start the season like he bullied hopkins at the start of the year and then last night against uh loyola i mean he was just popping off dude that that dive goal that he had was so saucy just nice little wing dodge gets himself to the crease goes airborne keeps it in a strong hand tucks it away on the backhand uh you know and the thing that i like the most about him he's a huge 
high shorts guy. I mean, he he kicks those suckers all the way up. Like you're getting like 75% thigh right there. And you know, when the shorts are high, the shots are high too and he was bringing some high heat all all night. And he's just such a big guy like oh my god, you know, 6 foot 5, probably 220 and I mean, he's probably 6'6 six, six in cleats. His his center of gravity what makes him so hard to defend, you know, his center of gravity is like a foot higher than everybody else's. So like when he leans into you and you're like you know, five inches shorter. It just, it feels like you're getting hit by a fucking Mack truck. I mean, he put up five points. That's just, you know, four goals. That's, that's insane. It was silly. It was absolutely silly. What it was, he was bullying people out there. Yeah. And so speaking of style though, you know, and, and style kind of resulting into putting up points because, you know, I don't, I don't know if, if you're as big of a believer in this as I am, but I feel like you definitely are, uh, you know, look good, feel good, play good. It's, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Um, but for, for Pat Spencer, I mean, you saw him come out into Johnny United Stadium last night, rocking the hoodie under the jersey, and I was expecting massive, massive things out of Hoodie Spencer. Now, to be fair, I mean, he still had himself like a good game. Like he had a you know a couple big assists, um, you know, and, and anytime he touched the ball, he was drawing at least, you know, two, three slides. I mean, there was one clip last night, you know, he had two poles on him, two SSDMs, the goalie, like everyone just up in his shit. So like, obviously it's Pat Spencer. Like if you're going to stop him, it's going to take the entire defense to do it. So I get why, you know, he may not have been able to really like take over the game just because teams are going to start doing that to him. But I, I just feel like it was a real missed opportunity for Hoodie Spencer to like pop off for like three and seven, four and six to just have like a massive night where he really took over that game. Like Hoodie Spencer could have been a thing. And and now I just feel like it's I, I was just a little bit let down and like I've never been let down by Pat Spencer before. I don't think he'll do it again. I, I don't. I don't know if we'll see that again. You know, with lacrosse the, players the being, yeah, the hoodie. I, I don't think we'll we'll see the hoodie again. You know, lacrosse players are pretty superstitious. He might, you know, he may come out in the hoodie again, but he may cut it off at the sleeves. You know, who knows? Bill, Bill Belichick. Yeah, he might. He might Belichick it. You know, you never really know. You know, but last night we got to see. You know, maybe Pat. Pat wasn't. You know, he wasn't exactly in his bag. Maybe he was about halfway in because his vision was crazy. Like he had. He had vision all over the field. I was I was sitting at dinner watching it on my phone where I was out to eat with my girlfriend. She knew I was going to watch the game. It, it didn't matter. We were just hungry. And I just like I sat there and I saw one of his goals where he just had the most insane vision. I think it was to Chase Scanlon, maybe one of his assists. And I was just like, how did he do that? And my girlfriend was like, what What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, it's just he's uh, I mean, five points still. I, you can't eat. I, I like can't that, argue with that's, it. That's that's like the crazy thing though. It's like a five point game for Pat Spencer. It's like where was Pat Spencer tonight? It's like dude, yep. like yeah, like mad assist. Um, you know, and like dude, how nice must it be to be a kid like Kevin Lindley, where like your job is to like just get your hands free a little bit, find some open space, and just trust that Pat Spencer is going to find you because he has that unreal vision. So like. Like Pat Spencer's just kind of like just like dipping around out there, just like bobbing around, you know. And finally, he draws three slides to him, just like kicks it over to Kevin Lindley. It's like, dude, all you gotta do is just get a shot off, and it's in the back of the net. So what? I think he ended up having like six on the day. Uh, so I mean, big night out of him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, Towson though. Uh, oh, speaking of Kevin Lindley, shout out to Tyler Canto, the oh, Towson. That's safe. 
that save oh my God. is like like I don't know if they put videos in the Louvre. I'm not like cultured enough to know how how all these art museums work. But like if there's like a wing where they have like you know like videos instead of just paintings, the video of that Tyler Canto save on Kevin Lindley deserves to be right up there because uh, that was just. Like, you know, like Kevin, Lin- like, I think he, he might've already had like six goals at that point. So he was probably like telling Canto to turn and rake before the ball was out of his stick. And then all of a sudden this kid just reaches out, popcorns it, sends it down the other way. So, you know, unreal save from him. And and like, that's, you know, that's the kind of shit where if you're going to beat Loyola, like you're going to need your guys like Brendan Sunday on offense to be, you know, buzzing around out there. But then you're also going to need a stud in net like Tyler Canto to come up with a massive save. I Tyler Canto, he was a he had 14 saves. I mean, that's that's so solid. And Canto doesn't make that save if he's not as tall as he is. Let's let's be honest. Like he's a big boy. You don't really see a lot of goaltenders who are, you know, uh, he's probably what six three, six four, maybe even a little bit Brendan Sunday size, but like he doesn't make that save if he's not that tall because of his reach. You know, he's got fucking he, he's like big bird out there. You know, he's like eight feet tall making making that save. Kyler, um, Kyler Murray doesn't make that save. No, Kyler Murray doesn't take as we found out today. He he doesn't make that save. Um, the other intangible that Towson had um going, you know, at the end of this game was Alex Woodall smoked it at the X. 20 out of 26. That's that's insane. And for you know, I'm I'm honestly surprised that that Loyola was able to put up 10 points, only winning six faceoffs. I and and that's kind of a testament to how Loyola, you know, how they rode and how their defense played. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, I like I've been thinking, you know, like with, with the shot clock and everything coming into the game now, uh, that, you know, just dominating the faceoff X wouldn't be like as big of an advantage as it was in like recent years, just because it's not like a team can like win every single faceoff and then just like milk the clock and shit like that. Um, but like so like if if, if you're winning, you know, like 60 65% of the faceoffs the shot clock's not really going to give that a, an advantage to you anymore but if you're like Alex Woodall and you're winning 20 out of 26 like that makes not it it makes a huge difference also because like think of a you know a kid like Brendan Sunday you just send one into the back of the net and like as the boys are celebrating it's like you know you're getting the ball right back like that like that little like make it take it aspect to the game just kind of gets you like in your groove and like you know, again, like the, the boys are just buzzing around out there and, you know, you feel like you're dominating all over the field, um, you know, and even in a tight game. So like, you, you, like, it's just like a confidence booster to be like, you know, we just pump one in the back of the net. Let's get this one going again. Now you can't argue with it. Now, the one thing, though, is, is I'm not sure if Towson even needed a confidence booster in this game because they should have had all the confidence they needed as soon as they uh, walked out of the locker room wearing those throwback threads. Uh, so, you know, the, they they wore them against Hopkins, dummied Hopkins, and then they took down the number one team in the nation. And, um, I mean, these throwback uniforms from Towson, they might be the most elite uniforms in college across history. Um, you know, I some other teams that have like great looks, you know, I think Princeton has really good look. I think that Hopkins has a really good look. Like any team that's like rocking, like the, the stripes on the sleeves right now has a pretty solid look, but you know, the, the thick mesh holes uh, with these throwback uniforms for Towson, the, you know, the subtle uh, bucket helmet 
uh, for on on their uh, you know on their cascade s's there. So I mean, when you look that good, like you're not gonna you're at least not gonna get worked. And at the you know that's like the very least. Like you're, if you're gonna lose a game, it's gonna be by one or two. And then on the other side of it, you can dummy Hopkins and beat Loyola. I mean, they pull off yellow and black really well. Uh, there's a lot of teams that don't pull off yellow and black any well. I fucking hate the Steelers. Um, I think that they have always had the ugliest looking uniforms ever. But Towson, they do it. I mean, it could be the white accent that they have, but I mean, that, you know, it, it, that's probably what it is. But I mean, they've looked good. They're playing good. They're gelling right now. Oh, yeah. They're absolutely and, gelling right now. And, uh, you know, one of the only undefeated teams left in the nation right now. I know, uh, you know, Maryland's still undefeated. Uh, Cornell, they've only played like two games. I think like VMI has only played two. I mean, no disrespect to VMI, but it's like you guys are going to lose eventually. Uh, but then another undefeated team. Quick shout out here to the uh, Delaware Blue Hens, you know, because, uh, you know, this is this is a team that could sneaky be a, like a end up in the tournament and could give some teams a fit in the first round there. So, I mean, the, the wins that they have, they're not against like, you know, ridiculous competition. I mean, they beat Mount St. Mary's, uh, NJIT, Monmouth and St. Joe's. So it's not like they're out there just like, you know, beating up on like top 20 teams, but four and um, you know, they're, they're in the same conference there as Towson. So, uh, you know, that, that'll be a nice little measuring stick game for them. That's a, that's a big term in the industry, like a measuring stick, kind of seeing where they're at. Um, you know, we're, we're journalists here. So, you know, part of, of the course. media, part of the industry. So, you know, we like to throw that lingo around every once in a while. Uh, but so that'll be a 420 game for them. Uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully maybe, maybe some of the guys on Towson celebrate a little bit and Delaware can get a win. I think that this is a team though, where if they find themselves in the tournament, not a not a very fun team to play against. I don't think so at all. Uh, who who else has been uh, surprising you over this past week of college lacrosse? Now I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I'm going to toot my own horn here. Uh, Richmond over Notre Dame, totally fucking called that one. Uh, Richmond has been building a team, dude. Um, but I want to take it back for for some context about six years ago um, when I played at Georgia. Georgia actually beat Richmond. Uh, in the conference championship in the MCLA before they went Division Dogs One, on so that's right. So by the transitive property, Georgia can beat Notre Dame. Now Notre Dame is Notre Dame too scared to schedule UGA right now? Probably. Okay, um, but I mean that Richmond, you know Ryan Lanchbury, Canadian, great stick. Um, they've actually had a couple guys transfer from Penn State, Ohio State, and Concal. So um, I mean it's a good school. You know, it's 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 not a bad it's not a bad school academically. So they're they're attracting some of these guys who you know they may not get a great get a lot of PT at other schools, um, but you know I I I hate to take credit from take credit from them. You know I don't want to say Notre Dame. Well, maybe Notre Dame has you know having a down year. And I I think Richmond won that game. You know that's that's my that's my viewpoint on it. I don't really I don't really like doing that to a to a team that's you know been solidly building a program in my mind. My only thing is like I just I don't like spiders, man. I it's like <laughs> it's just like super tough to like be like like to like be like all right, like I I'm going to start start really keeping an eye out here for Richmond. Like Richmond's like a team to 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 look out for. They're a team that can do some serious damage because it's just like 
I don't know, man. I, I don't like spiders, man. They're just, they're creepy. Like whenever it's I see one, whenever I see one in the apartment, like I'm, I'm 10 out of 10 times going to squish it. Like, you know, there's like maybe like that little, that little thing in the back of my head where it's like, come on, man. Like you don't need to kill this spider right now. Like what did it do to you? And like, if anything, I think like spider are like spiders kill some like other bugs. So I guess like spiders are technically like on your team. Um, but I squish those motherfuckers all the time. I feel a little, here's something that I'm, I'm a little worried about with squishing spiders. I always hear some horror stories about people like killing a spider but like a pregnant spider. So then when they squish that spider, there's like just like mad, like baby spiders coming out of it. Um, so that's, I, that's the stuff out of nightmares, dude. I, I don't, I refuse to believe any of that's real just because if it is real, it gives, I, I have to worry about it. So every, I, I every, just, I'm, every I time I, every time I squish a spider, like I'm like, Oh fuck. Like I hope this bitch wasn't pregnant or else like I'm going to have an infestation. And you know what? Maybe Notre Dame was thinking the same thing. They were like, yo, we're going up against Richmond. Like, I don't know if we want to kill these spiders because like they might have like a bunch of baby spiders that come out and attack us. So, um, you know what? I, I may have just talked myself. Like, I think that that might be like a pretty solid advantage for Richmond. Like going into I think it games. is. Like, I, I, I think, think it is. Yeah. So tell you what, man, that's, that's pretty, it's pretty brilliant on their part. Uh, so yeah you you called that one and now yeah be on the lookout for the spiders uh and if you beat them you might have an infestation on your hands uh before we talk about one more game here i should mention that this game that we're talking about uh we have one of the players coming up a little bit later in in this show uh if, if, if you're listening to the podcast or this episode like you already saw in the title who's coming on as a guest so like i don't feel like i need to say it beforehand but We've got Penn State's Grant Ament uh, on this week, and uh, but unfortunately, this past weekend things didn't necessarily go according to plan for Penn State as they went up to Yale and came home with their first loss of the season. Uh, they lose a one-goal game to the defending champs. Um, so I mean, but like again, like Penn State, obviously they can, you know, they were just murdering teams to start the season. I think they put up, I, I think the number was like 61 goals in three games. Um, you know, and then they come up against a Yale team who, who lost in overtime the weekend before to Villanova. So they obviously had to get themselves on track. Um, but for that to be like a one goal game, that's like, all right, like, you know, like we know what Yale can do. They're defending national champs, uh, but Penn state, like I'm not like a big, like moral victory guy, but you know, to, to make that a, a one goal game on the road against a team who, you know, definitely wanted to get themselves going after an overtime loss to Villanova. You know, that's a game where it's like, all right, like Penn State, there's they're legit. You know, it kind of sucks that they lost, but they're they're very much a legitimate team. I mean, it was a good measuring stick for them, like like we said. Um, you know, one of the big factors. Um, I guess you can, you know, you got to start thinking about the shot clock in relation to it, but. Uh, Gerard Arceri only won two win, only won two faceoffs in the first half, and those were both off off uh, violations. So uh, you know, overall, uh, TD Ireland smoked him um, at the X, and he, and then Tamperoni went so far to pull Arceri at the most probably the most important faceoff of the game, put in a guy who was who was fresh. You know, forgive me, I don't remember his fucking name. Um, you know, he's the he's the backup Fogo. Like nobody ever remembers his name anyway. Um, but, but Penn state offensively, they had a great matchup, uh, against Yale's defense. Um, I mean, 
our boy Ament put up nine points. That's ridiculous against against Yale's defense. But I mean, you know, it, it was one of those games where Penn State could walk in and you could look at their, you know, how much they've been scoring and and they could have gotten smoked. They Yale could have beat them 17-3. And then you're like, oh, those first three wins for Penn State or, you know, those first 61 goals or ever or just, you know, them running up the score. No, I, I they're they're here and they're the real deal. And, you know, given given maybe a change in weather or our Sari being, you know, you know, playing Ireland a little bit closer at the X, you know, that could have tipped either way for for Penn State. So, yeah, I thought it was a great game. Yeah. And I mean, like having a kid like Grand Event out there uh, just kind of like quarterback in your offense, like like you can tell because, you know, I, I think that Penn State had to end. I think they ended up scoring like a couple goals toward the end there to, to make that one a little bit tighter. Um, but like having a kid like that, that can just like take over like at any given notice um, is huge for that. I mean, dude, like he, he took Chris fake and defending national champ, first team, all American defender, took him to the woodshed, crossed him up behind the net, had, had him tripping all over the place, came around, dipped and dunked it in. Um, like, so just like having a kid like that back healthy, uh, is going to be unreal for, for Penn state because, you know, and we get into this a little bit, uh, with the interview here. So I don't want to, you know, give too much away here, but so having, ha- having so much of the defense focused on grand event and like, is, is he going to take someone to the shake shack? Like we need to make sure that we're ready to slide where we need to make sure we have our twos ready that just opens up the field for a, a kid like Mac O'Keefe um, to just find himself some, some open, open field to kind of camp out at, get the ball and stuff it in the back of the net. So, you know, that that's like a nice little, you need those uh, that like dynamic to, to really work out for an office. So it's kind of like a Pat Spencer, Kevin Lindley type of thing. Um, you know, Keefe might have some, some more range, but you know, having that, that playmaker that just takes every, all the attention of the defense just opens up the field for these kids who are just like, just straight up killers and just send the ball to the back of the net. Uh, so yeah, with, with that, we should probably kick this one over to our interview with Grant Ament. Uh, before we head to the interview though, real quick, gotta give a shout out little D three ball here. Uh, but the Ursinus college bears, the Bears are buzzing. They start off the year 3-0 with wins over Stevenson and Cortland. They got Christopher Newport coming up this weekend. So, I mean, if they can get three top 20 wins in their first four games, watch out for the Bears. Now we go to Grand Amant. All right, and joining us now, we've got from the Penn State Nittany Lions, a kid who's been uh, been on a goddamn tear to start off the season so far. We've got Grant Ament on the mic. Grant, thanks for hopping on with us this week, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I think uh, if anyone's listening to this podcast right now, they probably know the season that you've been having so far. Uh, what do you got here? 31 points in four games. So not a big deal or anything like that. Uh, so, you know, how, uh, you know, obviously the, the numbers kind of speak for themselves, but how you've been feeling out there so far this season? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just kind of been fun to get back in the mix, uh, with the guys, um, sitting out a year was, it was no fun. Um, but, uh, you know, this, uh, the point production has been, been a lot of fun, but it's been a lot of fun because, Guys are kind of flying around out there. It's it's a fun offense to play in. Guys are smiling, hooting and hollering, and uh, you know when that happens, 
the ball seems to go in the net a lot more, but also, um, you know, we, we, we have fun doing it. So, uh, the chemistry just keeps getting better and better. And, you know, I've been lucky on, on the end of a lot of those plays, uh, with either getting the assist or the goal, but, uh, yeah, just excited with how our offense has started and hopefully we can, uh, see, see if we can continue this, this in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, speaking of racking up some assists, I, I think he might be uh, leading the country right now, but it's gotta be nice. Uh, having a, having a guy out there like Matt O'Keefe, who, uh, you know, I think if anyone sees his stat lines, uh, you know, not, not a lot of apples in there, but the kid just buries the shit out of the ball. Um, so, you know, what's it like having a, you know, cause you look at like a team like Yale last year and, uh, you know, Ben Reeves is, you know, he's able to do all the things that he does. He's a playmaker, but then, you know, in the tournament, he's got a guy like Matt Gaudette there who he can just yeah. feed it to. And, and he knows that it's ending in the back of the net. Uh, O'Keefe, I mean, he's not technically a Canadian like Gaudette, but he plays like a Canadian. He also plays in box, so he's close enough. Um, so what's it like having having a kid like that that you can just kind of dish it to and know that, hey, that's that's a point as soon as it touches the stick? Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes my job a lot easier. Uh, you know, I think he's different in Gaudette in that the kid's probably got like a 17-yard range, um, which is not common in any like any lacrosse player. Um, so, I mean, he had one on uh, Saturday. He was curling over the top. It was literally probably from like 15 or 16 yards on the run and just ping top right. Um and it counted as an assist for me. It was probably more of a pretty play out of him. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's awesome playing with Mac. He's, he's a guy that it's insanely competitive, um, but also just so, uh, so meticulous in the way that he shoots the ball. Um, and it, it's, it's really fun to watch him um, shooting on, shooting on his own. Cause I mean, he, the things he can do is it's really, it's really impressive. And uh, just as a fan of the sport, um, you know, it's, it's fun to play alongside of cause you know, when, when his, his time's up here at, at Penn state, he'll probably go down as, as one of, if not the best shooter to, to ever play here, which is, which was pretty cool to play with. Yeah. I mean, it must be nice being able to just kind of step in from the top of the box, let one fly. And you know, that's, that's usually one of those ones where like the coach is on the sideline screaming like, no, no, no. And then all of a sudden it ends up in the back of the net and he's good to go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you guys definitely, you have the chemistry there. Um, but you know, it, you, you would think that it, it might've started off a little slower this season, considering that you missed, uh, did you miss all of last? Yeah. All of last year with, yeah, with that, missed, with missed all. Yeah. Missed all of it. Yeah. So, I mean, so you, you redshirt that year, you missed the whole year and, and you come back, you know, flying you know, 10 points in the first game this season. Um, so, you know, I'm a guy who's coming back from an injury myself. I don't know if you know this or not, but I tore my ACL over the summer playing some beer league. So going a little too hard, but what, uh, you know, what piece of advice would you have out there for, for kids who, uh, get, get a little bit by the injury bug or maybe some podcasters out there who are looking to come back for their first time and, and put up uh, 10 points of their own. Uh, yeah, well, that Philly box league can get pretty physical. I will say that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, there are a bunch of injuries in there, so I understand how you got that. Uh, but, uh, you know, first and foremost is, is, uh, you know, that the, at the end of the day, you, you come out a, a stronger person mentally, um, and you, you do grow an incredible appreciation for, uh, playing. Uh, practice, 
uh, games, weight room stuff. I mean, even like even some of the the Friday morning lifts, like we we have these six a.m. lifts that are not always lifts and conditioning sessions that are not always the most fun. Um, but you know, when you're not in that, you know, not with the your your teammates twenty four seven, it it gets a little um, lonely at times. And uh, so, I mean, for all those for anybody who has an injury, just keep pushing and then focus any energy that you have uh, on your teammates and, you know, see, see what you can get out of them. Um, as well as just keep a positive mindset. I mean, my, my mindset was kind of fake it until you make it and, you know, keep a smile on your face no matter what. And, uh, you know, there were, there were definitely some tough days, uh, but without, without the, without my teammates, without my family beside me, um, I probably couldn't have done it. So, you know, don't be afraid to, to lean on the people around you because that's what they're there for. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously being injured sucks, but like if there's one thing, one positive to take away from it. Uh, so you're, you're planning on heading back to Penn state next year, right? So like how pumped are you that you get to have five years in college? Cause I think you're, you might be the first guy that we've talked to on this podcast so far, uh, that's had a red shirt year. And the thing that I always say is like graduating is the dumbest thing anyone could ever do. Like stay in school as long as you can. It is like an outrageous time and and you don't get it back once you get that sheet of paper. Uh, so like realistically, like you hurting your foot, like, yeah, kind of must have sucked last year, but like you get five years at Penn State now. So uh, what uh, what are you looking forward to next year? Like, are, are you almost done school? Like, what, do you even have to take class? I guess you have to take classes next year, but like, yeah, you know, just mostly just chill and ball out. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you have to take 12, you have to take classes. Uh, my spring semester, I probably won't be taking as many um, uh, of next year. Cause you can kind of milk it out uh, for lack of a better term. Um, but I picked up a certificate and, you know, some other stuff academically. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was kind of a no-brainer for me uh, coming back here. Coach supported the decision, and uh, it, another year of college is never the worst thing in the world. Uh, but also, just another year of college lacrosse. I mean, talking to uh, guys that are playing professionally now, or guys who have played here now. I mean, the, the one thing they say is uh, playing college lacrosse. There's there's no other team that you're going to be a part of that's just as special as that. So. Um, having another year of that um, is some, something I'm going to look forward to. Um, in the moment, it definitely sucked. I mean, I, I worked all through the fall, played the scrimmages, and then two days before Nova, you know, took one wrong step, heard a pop, and, and that was about it. So it definitely sucked. But in the long run, um, you know, having another year with the guys and another year to, to see, what, see what this team can do uh, is, is going to be really exciting. Yeah, I mean, but here's the th- like, you know, it, it, again, it sucks, but like you could always get hurt playing beer leagues and shit like that. And, you know, <laughs> so w- when you're coming back from an ACL injury and, and you're 26 years old, just playing some beer leagues, like you don't get to get to stay in college for another year. So, you know, if, if there's any any time to get injured, uh, knock on, I'll knock on wood for you here, but it's uh, it's definitely why you're still at school, especially at a place like Penn State. I mean, uh, were you like a were you a big Penn State fan like before you committed? Actually, when did you commit? I feel like. I yeah, I, com- I committed uh, right before I started my sophomore year, um, and both my parent, both my parents are alums. My brothers went here, um, so you know my aunt went here. I've been going to football games since I was probably 
uh, three, four years old. Um, so, you know, I was, I was brainwashed for lack of a better term. Um, but, uh, it's, I mean, no regrets, obviously. Um, it's, it's one of the most fun places on earth. Um, you know, and to be able to play lacrosse on top of it is, is, is like a, a dream come true. So, um, yeah, that it's definitely been in the family. It, it's definitely been in the family. So that, that definitely had a, a little bit of a, a push for me, but, uh, yeah, once, once the, once the doors opened, it was, it was kind of full send from there. Yeah. Speaking of the football, t- what, uh, I'm, I've always been interested in this and what's the relationship like between the, uh, like, is there any relationship between the Penn state football team and the lax team? Or are you guys just kind of in like separate worlds a little bit? Uh, I mean, it depends on, it depends on some guys. I mean, we actually have friends, um, couple of guys went to high school with a few of uh, the football guys. So we kind of get to, got to know them over the years. Um, I wouldn't say we're too close to them uh, relative to other sports teams. Um, but, you know, if we see them out, we'll, we'll say hi to them. But I, I would say we, would, we aren't really hanging out with them on a daily basis. Um, I mean, they're, uh, they, they kind of stay, stay in their, their own world over, over there. But, um, you know, when we, like I said, when we see them out, you know, we, we hang out and we, you know, act like we know each other. So it's a decent relationship, I'd say. Yeah. You, I mean, you ever, uh, you know, you should just hit up Saquon sometime and be like, Hey man, like, you know, how's it going? You feel like taking me out for a weekend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely should. We definitely should. Uh, and, uh, Hey, I mean, we're, if we're talking about football players from Penn state, Let's talk about a football slash lacrosse. I wasn't going to bring a Penn State guy on to the podcast without bringing this up. Uh, so obviously, this conversation is now heading in the direction of one Christopher Hogan, former Penn State lacrosse player. Uh, so do you guys, uh, th- does Chris Hogan, does he ever like reach out to you? you ever see or hear from him at all throughout the season? Uh, I feel like, you know, once you boys got, uh, I mean, you guys got ranked second in the nation. I feel like he would have to at least give you guys a little shout out now. Uh, we haven't heard from him this year. Uh, my sophomore year, we, uh, he gave us a little gear package through, uh, Thompson bros, um, lacrosse. Um, so Bill O'Brien came and, uh, Gave us some cleats, some some t-shirts, shorts, uh, and then he did a little video for us. Um, haven't really heard from him since. Um, I mean, I know he's probably, he's probably celebrating his uh, second Super Bowl championship. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, like he's, that's, he, a, that's a solid party scene. That's a, that's a definite excuse. Um, I mean, I also know he has two kids, uh, so he's probably paying attention to them a little bit more. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, he reaches out every now and then. Um, we have a few Pats fans on the uh, on the team, so they're definitely always looking for the Chris Hogan plug whenever they can get it. So, well, but have you have you been able to stay a, a loyal Eagles fan though, through and through, or with like, or have you been brainwashed a little bit again by you know Chris Hogan and the Pats? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a Birds fan uh, through and through. Uh, I mean, it's the. The, but at some point, you got to respect what the Patriots can do. Um, and it's pretty cool. You know, Chris Hogan was kind of in our shoes one day. Uh, I know for sure I will never be able to play in the NFL. So, I mean, that that fact in itself is pretty freaking impressive. Um, but, uh, you know, it's – the chirps never get old in the locker room from the Pats guys for sure. I mean, our assistant coach 
is uh, a big Pats fan, and he makes sure to text us after every Pats win, me and a couple of the other Philly guys. So um, they can be uh, they can be Boston fans for sure, but uh, we definitely got our chirps in when the uh, when the Birds won last year. So you know it's probably deserving with how long we rode that uh, rode that boat. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. I I wouldn't sell yourself too short. Though. I mean, I feel like I feel like your first step, man. Like all you have to do, if if you were like a running back in the end, I feel like as long as you have guys balking for you, I feel like your first step is uh, you know is quick enough to maybe find yourself a hole. I mean, we can ask Chris Fake about that one. Um, but so that kind of so that kind of brings me into right now, like your playing style, because I think that you know for like what we do here at the crease dive and just you know we highlights on highlights on highlights i think that your game has been incredible for us because it's just like non-stop um so like talk to us a little bit about just like your your dodging style because i think like when i think of like the perfect dodge from x like if i close my eyes and i picture it it's usually number one on penn state just a quick little jab step and then he's out of there and a defenseman's just wrapping around the other side of the of the net so um you know, has, has that been your, your game, like ever since you, you started playing or is that something that's kind of picked up a little bit now that you've been at Penn state? Uh, you, I mean, I kind of developed it of, I'd say probably seventh, eighth grade, um, you know, watching the, the YouTube videos, Kyle Harrison, Ray Bull, Millen, all those guys, um, kind of just learning like the footwork process of it. Um, and then, uh, you know, as I've gotten older, um, you know, I, I would say it, it worked a little bit when I was younger, um, probably not as much as I would like. Uh, and now that I'm in college and I'm on a weight, a weight program where I've gotten stronger and faster, um, I've kind of been able to use it a little bit more to, to my advantage. Um, but I mean, it's, it's definitely, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a cool feeling when you, when you do get it. Um, but, uh, you know, the, there are a lot of good defenders out there that are definitely scouting it and they're, they're learning, learning how to, how to defend it. So good to definitely have to mix it up in the games coming. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, well, again, we'll have to bring Chris fake onto the podcast at sometime soon here to talk about that one. It's, uh, you know, obviously the, uh, the end result wasn't necessarily what you guys were looking for there, but, uh, in, in terms of electrifying goals, that was, uh, that was a, a butte. So that's out on our social channels right now. Again, I'm going to plug that one at the crease dive on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, but you know, so speaking of, you know, just being able to, uh, you know, develop that with this weight program that you're on now at Penn state. Uh, I, I want to ask, I, I feel like you guys definitely have like a, uh, you know, like a strength conditioning coach. I mean, it's a D one program. Everyone does, but I want to know what, uh, coach Tambroni's role is on that because I feel like he's a guy who is just a uh maybe not like a I, I feel like he's like a sneaky beast in the weight room I feel like he's definitely still like shredded up uh so you know how much say does he have in the weight room yeah uh you're definitely not wrong in any any of that he just said those are definitely uh good guesses uh I mean, I don't know how much he can probably put up, uh, but he last year he made up this thing called like the hundred burpee challenge, and you had to do a hundred burpees in ten minutes, and he did it, and he's in his late forties. So, um, I mean, the fact that he can still do that is 
absolutely uh, terrifying. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he's definitely still in the weight room. He works out every day. Uh, has has no problem letting you know that he's in there. Um, all the coaches kind of seem to get in there. Um, but yeah, he's for for him to still do what he does uh, is, can be a can be a little scary at times. He's he seems like he'd be like a uh, like a big time like CrossFit guy. Uh, no, he, he just kind of does the normal, you know, he hops on the bench, hops on the, hops on the squat, does his deadlifts, whatever. He, he kind of just does his thing, hops on the treadmill for a little bit and then, and then goes, goes and, uh, back to his office and watches film for the day. So that's kind of his daily routine. Yeah. So like, I, I guess, you know, now you're in your fourth year there at Penn state and you're going to have a fifth year with them. Um, you know, what's you know, what's, what's that relationship been like between you guys? Like, I feel like, I don't know. Like, I feel like if I was like, I'd step on campus and I'd just be like scared shitless of Tambroni a little bit. I don't know. Like, I feel like he's this, like, not, I don't know if like robot is that maybe like a term, like, so not like just like any old like robot, but like Terminator. So I feel like he's like a lacrosse Terminator where it's just like, holy shit. Like, like this guy's just going to have like eyes on me the whole time. And it's going to scare the shit out of me. But like, you know, you've been there for four years. So, um, you know, did you guys have like a, has it been like building differently uh, as you've been, you know, uh, going through your years here at Penn state or has he just been the same guy all the way through? Uh, it's definitely built. Um, you're again, spot on. Uh, the guy is everything that he preaches. He kind of does. I mean, he's up at four or five every morning, you know, does everything, watches film constantly. Um, he's always on the job. Um, does always feel like he's watching you. Um, but you know, him and I have grown a relationship over the years and, um, he, he, we're definitely uh, kind of two similar guys in the way that we go about our things um, when it comes to lacrosse. Um, kind of have similar viewpoints on things, um, and he knows kind of when to push uh, me. And um, you know, we've developed a strong enough relationship where you know he's accepted if I tell him that he'll um, take it for what it is, and. Um, you know, understand that I'm telling him that to, to make him better just as, as he does for me. So um, it's definitely developed over the years. Um, he's he is one of the, the harder working guys I've ever met. So um, it's it's cool having that guy as your leader um, on the field. But uh, he, he's he's definitely a type A type guy. And Terminator is, is a pretty accurate description, I'd say. Yeah, I, I felt like just like a regular old robot was like not not enough for it because like you can be like just like a you know like you'd be like a calculator that's you know that's not Tamperoni but like Terminator where you're out for like lacrosse destruction uh, that definitely seems more more like Coach Tamperoni there yeah, lacrosse destruction twenty seven goals in one game so that was uh, but so I have a <laughs> couple a uh, couple final questions here for you because I know uh, you know you're you're a busy guy and you got to get yourself on uh, got to get back to class because you're a student first athlete second of course uh, so one question here from my co-host Robbie so he wants to know if the FCA U15 Lake Placid team you were on was the greatest team ever assembled. 
Uh, I mean, it definitely had a bunch of good players on it. Uh, and it's playing on that team was kind of cool because you still see those guys out and about um, playing against them and, um, you know, seeing them events still at Placid, uh, playing on different teams. And um, I don't know if it was the best team ever assembled, but, uh, you know, definitely had some guys that could shoot the hell out of the ball and uh, some defenders that are in the first team All-American category now. So uh, it was a talented group for sure. It was fun to play on. All right. This, uh, the second to last question here, it's, it's just a simple true or false. Uh, but is it true that public school, high school lacrosse in the Philly area is better than the private school scene? I would say that's false. Are you, are you sure about that? Yes. I'm, I'm pretty sure on that, but, uh, you know, if Springfield wants to play Haverford anytime soon, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. <laughs> We'll get that one set up. And uh, the final question here is, did you know that Chris Hogan used to play lacrosse? And uh, how, how often do you guys get that one? Uh, I was just, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm aware of it. Uh, and I find it uh, every time the Patriots play on Sunday. So it gets blown up on Twitter in just about every single lacrosse form. <laughs> All right, man. Well, there you, there you go. Public school, Philly, better than private school. Chris Hogan played lacrosse, and the FCA team was dominant, but maybe not the best because the best could be the Penn State Nittany Lions in the year 2019. So the boys, you got Penn coming up this weekend, a couple, a couple Ivy League games coming up here, and then uh, you, guys, you guys get Big Ten play started at the end of the month. So best of luck to Penn State moving forward. With I, I've said this before, uh, but I think it's going to be huge for the sport of college lacrosse when Penn State really starts – stringing together some wins here against themselves some tournament wins so uh we're, we're pulling for you and best of luck in the future and yeah we'll, we'll have to get that uh springfield Haverford school game settled soon all right sounds good thanks for having me all right and thanks again to grant ament for hopping on the podcast again you know tough tough break with that game against yale last weekend but you know penn state forced to be reckoned with if you will this season uh and they'll try to keep it going try to get back on the right path uh this weekend coming up as they've got the Penn quakers coming to town uh so you know talking to Grant a little bit there it sounds like there's a chance that this game might be uh might be indoors where penn state has just been pouncing on teams so that could be good for them uh so penn state versus penn at the time that we're recording this right now so it's you know kind of early in, in the afternoon on thursday so lax vegas lines hasn't uh been able to put out the spread for this one yet but you know i gotta imagine that it, it, it's gonna be you know pretty pretty close here but uh you know i think that that penn state uh, you know, I, I don't really see too many uh, losses left on their schedule, and I, I, I don't see one coming up here. You know, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that that game last last week is going to leave a little bit of a stale taste in their mouth. And unfortunately, Penn's going to be the team that has to kind of pay for that a little bit. I totally agree. Like right now, Penn's rocking zero uh, and two in Ivy. You know, they're they're not going to be a huge threat but you know there's always kind of like that in-state rivalry type thing going on you know like uh what, what alabama auburn georgia georgia tech like you know it doesn't really sometimes it doesn't matter maybe penn plays them close maybe they don't um uh, you know who knows yeah the, now the thing about that so I, I feel like i feel like that's 
it's going to be a thing coming up here for Penn uh, next weekend. So there's there's going to be a whole uh, kind of like a, a Philly tournament there. So it's uh, you know Penn's going to have to go up against Villanova and St. Joe's. I think that that's it's a little bit. I mean, but again, Penn State versus Pennsylvania. So I mean, there's there's definitely some bragging rights on the line there. Uh, and Penn's usually good for like one upset a year. Uh, you know they they usually use it against Duke. Um, you know, so, you know, not every year, but every once in a while that they've been known to take down Duke, uh, last weekend, they just got shelled by the blue devils. They were probably regretting that win against Duke last year as they were getting pummeled 17 to seven last week. Um, but yeah, I, I just think, you know, we, we talked about this a ton, uh, you know, so I don't want to just like overplay it a little bit, but I just think that the combination of defenses need to watch out for Mac O'Keefe, uh, not Mac O'Keefe. Well, yeah, watch out for Matt O'Keefe. But like defenses need to focus the majority of their attention on a dodger like Granamet to then open up the field for Matt O'Keefe to just go bombs away. Um, you know, I just I I didn't see it in their uh in their game against Duke, and I I probably won't see it this weekend where Penn just has the defense to kind of uh shut down two studs like that. I mean it you, you see what happens when you try to focus all of your defensive energy on one player. You know, Pat Spencer squeaks away with with five points and Kevin Lindley puts up six. Um, I mean, even even if you try to double uh, Grant Amit, I mean, it's not like Mac O'Keefe is what, you know, incapable of doing anything by himself. It's it's a it's a two it's a double edged sword. It's a you know, it's a, you cut off one head and, you know, two grow back. It's. It's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. I imagine that Penn's defense is going to be extremely tired by the end of the game. Um, Amit is uh, pound for pound probably one of the best Dodgers in the game, um, and I don't. I you know Mac, Mac O'Keefe's got his got his vision too. You know I'd like for it to be a close game, and as far as this season goes, we have no fucking idea what's gonna go on. You know yeah, we could we could have a barn burner. You know, or, or we could have a blowout. We could have a, a double OT, triple OT, something or the other. We, we, don't, we don't know. And Dude. I think that's what makes it the most interesting. This is the most interesting lacrosse season that I've ever watched so far. Yeah, and we're only a month in. And, like, that's the thing, man. It's like – like at, at, I feel like rankings at this point, like I feel like the lacrosse community should just stop doing them because they don't mean shit. Like yeah, nothing. You know, like we we've we've seen it over the last few years in college lacrosse. Like you don't want to be the number one team in the nation because it means you're probably going down soon. So I mean, Yale's already gone down as number one. Loyola's gone down as number one. Um, you know, uh, I think Duke's gone down as number two. Penn State's gone down as number two. So I mean, rankings don't mean anything. So we could obviously see, uh, you know, Penn kind of shock the world if you if you will here if if they could pull off one against penn state um but i just think that the fact that it's it'll probably end up being indoors at penn state um you know just a place where they've just been filling the back of the net it's, it might be a little bit too much for for penn to handle uh now a little bit earlier in the day on saturday we've got denver traveling east to play against unc uh, and this is an 11 a.m. start, and so we've we've seen we've seen teams do this to Denver already this season with uh, with Duke scheduling Denver for an 11 a.m. start. Uh, you know, so you think you're you know you're bringing the fellas over from 
mountain time. So, you know, an 11 a.m. start in on the East Coast is, you know, technically like 9 a.m. for in, in Denver time. Uh, but it didn't work out for Duke this year. They lost by one 10 to nine earlier in the season. So UNC is going to see if they can, uh, you know, if they can do what, what Duke wasn't able to do. Uh, you know, they're coming off of a loss to, to Hopkins. By the way, man, Hopkins, let, let's just talk Blood about path. Dude, no one loves to rumble more than Hopkins. I feel like every single time there's a like I feel like I'm seeing some some like sideline scraps from Hopkins all the time. So they're they're a greasy team. Um, so I mean a one goal loss to a greasy team like that, you know, not not a bad loss for UNC. Uh, but I do think that that schedule in Denver for these 11 a.m. starts, like I think that tyranny just drills it into their guys that it's just pure disrespect and they've got to go kick some ass about it. I totally, I totally agree. Um, I'm, I'm sure that Tierney probably has them up at five 30 in the morning and they do walkthroughs before the game, even though, even at 11 o'clock, um, you know, they're, they're coming, they're coming to the East coast. I'm, we've had some terrible weather on the East, on the East coast that so far this year's February has just absolutely sucked ass. So I think Denver is going to be used to the cold. You know, they've got plenty of Canadians. They don't really give a shit about the cold. Um, you know, my one guy that I look out for who's just been on fire this year, I don't, I don't know how he does it, but, um, Alex Simmons, he's a freshman, number nine plays midfield, but he plays midfield in the way that you play midfield on a box field. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's very much a, a forward, not a, yeah, he's, a, he's very, so he's not a transition guy. He's very much of a forward and, oh my God, dude, he, the, some of the, some of the stuff that he does is, is, is really it's really creative, and I like to see guys honor the game by just doing some stupid rocker steps and step back, step back, you know, back foot, back footed, you know, uh, top cheese shots. It's 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 going to be a good game, and um, you know, the again, uh, the weather hasn't really mattered. Um, you know, you could especially for these two teams, it's always fucking cold in North Carolina, and it's always fucking cold in Denver, so. Um, yeah, the the one thing I right there with you on Alex Simmons, and I think it's going to be a shooting gallery for Canadians all over the place uh, in in this game. So I mean, Ethan Walker, one of the purest strokes in college lacrosse. Alex Simmons getting right up there with them, uh, and then for UNC, they got a, a Canadian of their own and Tanner Cook, who can uh, you know definitely bring some heat. So I mean, if 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 you're a goalie, you know maybe. I, I I wouldn't suggest tuning into this one. It might be a little uh, what, what's the masochist? Is is, is that the word? Masochistic, yeah. It would be yeah. like you're just watching it and you're like, oh fuck. Yeah, not nice little SAT word there. Uh, not a big deal, but yeah. But if you're if you're a fan of just seeing top cheese, if if you're a fan of seeing just some some bar Mexico snipes, tune into this game because the Canadians are going to be all over the place. But yeah, I, I've got Denver coming down on this one. Um, Again, just because don't 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 try to play games with Coach Tierney by scheduling them for 11 a.m. on a Saturday when they're traveling from Denver. Just don't do it. Schedule them for a night game. Like lull them to sleep a little bit. Definitely, you got to take a different strategy. I mean, like Tierney's not going to put up with your shit. You might as well, you might as well not even worry about the game time. Just schedule them whenever the fuck you want because he's going to be prepared and all his guys are going to be prepared. So yeah, you know what, a, what have what you. A, what a legend. Uh, and so, you know, so UNC, they will be, uh, so they're playing against Big East Denver, but we got a nice little ACC matchup uh, coming up here. We've got Virginia and Cuse. Now, this is a matchup the last two times that these that these teams played. 
So last year, regular season, Cuse comes out of there. Cardiac Cuse with a 12-11 win, winning one goal games. It's just something that Cuse does. Uh, but then later on in the ACC tournament, Virginia picked up the 11-10 win uh, in that game for, for them to advance on through to the ACC championship game. So one goal game twice last year. Uh, got to imagine that the that the spread on this one will be a, a one goal game as well. So it's uh, I, I'd probably give the advantage to just I I'd probably say Q's minus one. I th- I think I think that's where I'd be at. But uh, what do you what do you got on this game? Now keep in mind that this is I believe it it's it's in the dome for for Q's. So uh, will the dome gods be good to the orange? Uh, I'd I'd say yeah I, I I'd probably agree with you there. Um, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be whichever goalie decides to show up. Uh, last weekend we saw Syracuse goalie Drake Porter absolutely just play out of his mind. He had some great saves against against the troops. Um, and then Princeton. Uh, so Virginia put in their I believe he's a freshman Birkinshaw. Um, he had 24 saves last weekend, which is insane. I think it's actually a, a freshman. I think it's a rookie record at, at Virginia. Uh, they also had 14 points from their attack. So, you know, the attack's going to be all over Syracuse. They're going to be all over Drake Porter. But at the same time, you know, can the can the the, the rookie goalie show up like he did? You know, can like they're all weirdos, man. He could have a hundred. He could he could have a great game. He could do like his little pre-game routine where he has to play nine hours of world of warcraft or whatever the fuck goalies do and he could come out in the dome and just stun everybody you know or he could crumble as many rookies have done you know so oh i i i love seeing syracuse play in the dome because they bring a big crowd um the, the they bring the boys the boys come to that game um so and uh, if you know, if Virginia, if, if any Virginia players are thinking about wearing black cleats with white shoes, you know, you guys are already stepping into a big loss right there. So don't do it. Yeah, it's a terrible look that should be banned. Um, I, should I be. think there there's a lot of things in lacrosse right now that I I think uh, you know that that we should probably be taking a look at. Like I understand like that we need to be figuring out what's what's the actual rule with the crease dive. Like when are we allowing these goals? When are we disallowing them? Um, but before we try to tackle any of those issues, it should be banning black leads, white socks. It's just a terrible look. Don't do it. Um, yeah, I th- I just think I I feel like that that loss to Colgate to start the season for Syracuse it uh you know I, I think that that's one of those ones where it's like all right like we we just got dunked on in the dome and we can't let that happen again so it's going to be a uh you know the the atmosphere is going to be buzzing and I think that that kind of it's going to play well into Cuse because I feel like they're just. I feel like they're a team that can ride with momentum a little bit more than like, I feel like Virginia is just like solid all the way through. Um, but I feel like Cuse is a team that can be kind of up and down like that. I, you know, they're kind of like a little bit of a younger team. Uh, so they can kind of like ride on like momentum more. So like if this was an away game for Virginia, like I, I'd say, or no, an away game, like at Virginia, I'd, I'd say that the Cavs probably come out of here by like two or three goals. Um, but I think, you know, just being able to ride the atmosphere in the dome, I got Cuse in a, in a one goal matchup here. 
And with if Cuse if Cuse does win, that that puts Virginia at three losses in conference. So I mean, they're they're I don't if but if Virginia wins, that puts Syracuse at two losses. So then you got two two loss teams in the, in the ACC. I mean, it's a um, it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, uh, and, and and the and the ACC man, I mean, they they just end up killing each other. Like that's that's the issue with it. Is like. Like you just have all these top teams just like beating up on each other, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, they're ACC. Just be on the lookout because your dominance in in the sport of lacrosse could be faltering a little bit here. Yeah, you're you're on the clock. You're definitely playing lacrosse for. You're on the hot seat. That's yeah, you know, hot that, seat. That's really what this comes down to. Uh, moving on from that game so we've got a so a, a nice little traditional lacrosse matchup with virginia and syracuse uh and then another just a, a great classic matchup between the johns hopkins blue jays and the princeton tigers now it's been a huge week for tigers already um and so you know shout out mike tyson uh but you know with Towson getting that win over loyola could the prince and tigers kind of uh, you know, stay within the animal kingdom there and take down the Blue Jays. You know, if this was a, a fight between the two mascots, I think that that's a no-brainer. Um, but the fact that, you know, we got lacrosse players pretending to be those those animals, it's going to be a little bit different. But the last two times that these teams played, it hasn't been close at all, but for either team. So 2018, Hopkins with a 16-9 to thrashing over Princeton that that was a tough one to swallow for the Tigers but the year before that 2017 Michael Sowers freshman the Tigers they take down Hopkins 18 to 7 so um you know the last two times that these teams played it has been an 11 goal game and a 7 goal game so are is are we are, are we on a are we in store for another blowout here? Or what do you think? And do we think that we finally kind of bring these two teams a little tighter together? You know, oh man, I, I don't know. So Sowers is going to come in with his boys and they're going to be like, you know, we got to remember that game last year, you know? Uh, and on the other hand, uh, Joey Epstein and Kyle Marr are just, man, they are shooting. Uh, that is all I have to say. They are doing some shooting and they are putting the ball, putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, I don't, I, I would love to see as, as every game, you know, as, as, as every game, I'd love to see them be close, but I think Hopkins has the edge here. I think they got some shooters, you know, I know, I know Epstein's a freshman, but it doesn't really matter. You know, we, we've seen that, you know, being a rookie doesn't really matter. Uh, I think, I think if Mar, if, if Mar gets open, um, his left, you know, his lefty is just, is, oh my God, his, his left is just insane. Um, I don't know, man. It it honestly feels like a toss up or a blowout, but that's pretty, pretty cowardly predicting from myself. So, yeah, but but like that, that's like how these games have been, though. Like, it again, like, like you, you you would imagine if the last two years have been blowouts, that it'd be the same team winning each of them. Um, but the fact that it's been a blowout on both ends just means that like both these teams are kind of unpredictable. Um, you know, and that's kind of been like a, a running. Uh, you know, theme, you know, we've been talking about Hopkins for a while now, just how, uh, you know, they're 
pretty like inconsistent in their ways. I mean, they, they have some weeks where they look like they're the number one team in the nation. They have other weeks where they look like they just don't really have uh, that big of an interest in picking up a lacrosse stick. So, um, you know, I, I think the one thing that uh, that Princeton has going for them is so they've got, you know, Jake Ray, or Ray Pine there uh, playing D and that's that's Sowers's boy. I mean, they, they played high school together. They played uh, growing up. So, if, you know, if there's one person uh, in, in the nation right now who kind of knows what Michael Sowers is looking to do when he's dodging, it's Jack Ray Pine. Uh, so, you know, maybe that's that's a way that they can kind of. You know, if you shut down Sowers, you have a pretty good chance of of shutting down Princeton's offense in general. I mean, uh, you know, they they got a couple other guys there who can ball, but like obviously it goes through Sowers. He's one of the best players in the nation. So if you have someone who can kind of uh, understand his ways a little bit, know what he's looking to do, that definitely gives you an advantage. And yeah, like you said, I mean, Epstein, Marr, Cole Williams, um, you know, the, these kids have been, uh, you know, obviously they had a rough start going zero and two. Uh, but that win over North Carolina might have kind of jump started their season a little bit here. Maybe they can get things going back on track. Um, and at the very least, we're going to see uh, just a sexy, sexy uniform matchup. I think that, you know, these two teams, uh, not only do they look good like on their own, uh, but like when you put like the, the orange and black and, and then mix it in with that with that Hopkins blue, um, it, it just it, it's a great it's easy on the eyes. It's going to be great for the eyes. It's going to be visually, uh, visually appealing. Even if you're not a big lacrosse, a big lacrosse person, you might you might as well throw it on in the living room. Um, it's just it's going to add to the the whole decor. It'll bring out everybody. It'll bring out the color in everybody's eyes. I promise. Yeah, um, uh, but yeah. Feng Shui. I think it. it I think that's. To... I think that is too. Um, so Princeton. So the, the, again, this this our, our theme of this week has been, uh, you know. Pat Spencer, Grant Ament. Now you got Michael Sowers. So who on so it's going to come down to if Michael Sowers becomes the focus of Hopkins D, who's going to show up for Princeton? Who's going to be that guy to step up and you know smack himself on the chest and be like, cut, you know, give me the ball. Sowers can't do it, you know. Wow. And if if that's that's going to be in my mind, that's how it's going. That's how it's going to go. Well, so, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, sophomore midfielder Chris Brown because if there's one heavy hitter in the world, it is definitely Chris Brown. All right. Well, I, you know, I, I, I would love to see it. I think that that's been a, a, a pretty consistent theme um, so far this year, even though we're only a month in. But, you know, let's, let's I, I hope Princeton makes it happen. We've had some great lacrosse games, and I want to continue to watch this season. See breezy. Uh, and then the final game that we will be talking about heading into the weekend. It is a Sunday matchup. We've got Maryland. They will be heading over to South Bend to take on Notre Dame, the same Notre Dame team that got upset uh, by, by your Richmond spiders. So this is a uh, nice little Sunday matinee matchup, 12 PM. So, you know, if, waking up from a from a night out of getting in one on saturday night you know you can kind of wake up a, a little slowly on sunday morning get yourself some coffee maybe uh you know get a nice little bacon egg and cheese and then 12 p.m waiting for you right there maryland versus notre dame so uh you know this is now this is a year that it's 
it's going to be a tough year for Notre Dame. I think for a few reasons, obviously the biggest reason is the fact that they'll be without Ryder Garnsey this year. Uh, you know, he's been academically ineligible. So, you know, losing a kid like that on offense is that would hurt any team. Um, but I think especially for a team like Notre Dame though, because like they've got shooters, all right. Costabile, Gleason, like these kids can bring heat, but like Garnsey was always that guy uh, just like a real slick Dodger, like real unconventional style of play. Like nothing about him really makes sense. He He's kind of like, he's kind of like water out there where he's just like moving all over the place and you don't really know like where he's going and that throws off defenses. And, you know, when, when you're able to throw off a, a defense, like that's where you get guys open for, you know, nice little step down shots. So for Notre Dame, like not having a playmaker like that, like I'm looking at their stats right now. There's one kid on this roster right now, and granted, they've only played two games, uh, but only one guy has more than two assists on the year. So they've, I mean, they've got, uh, let's see, Casabiel has an assist, Gleason has an assist, uh, Quinn McMahon, freshman, has three, uh, Connor Morin has two. Other than that, like, like that's the thing, like, if, if they're scoring goals, a lot of them are unassisted, and I just think. I, I just think like in today's game, uh, you know, especially with the shot clock where you need to like really like just move fast and like work to get guys open uh, the whole like I, I just don't see unassisted goals really as a way that you win too many lacrosse games anymore. And I think that that's that's going to come kind of bite them in the ass a little bit against Maryland. I think Notre Dame, I, what they're probably going through is kind of the uh, a, a vacuum of power with Garnsey being out, you know, I'm sure that the, the minute they found out Garnsey was ineligible to play, they were all looking around in the huddle like, oh, fuck, who's going to be the guy? You know, who's going to be the creator, uh, you know, the centerpiece of the offense? Because everybody has to have one. You know, you, you got to have a guy who, who can who can create, who can wheel, who can deal. Um, you know, and I know Maryland's played five games already. Um, they're gelling, though. You know, Jared Bernhardt and Logan Wisnakis both have north of 15 points apiece. You know, that's that's pretty wild. Um, you know, no, and and the other thing is Notre Dame's going to they're probably a little bit salty about that Richmond win. Um, they're going to come out and and they're going to play hard, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, I'd, I'd like to see a solid game. Uh, you know, we, I hate talk, I hate talking about team. You know, it's not it's not really that they that, that Notre Dame is in a is in a down year. They're just kind of uh, readjusting and we're watching them readjust. You know, it'd be like uh, if Pat Spencer. You know, you know what? I'm not even going to I'm not even going to going to uh, going to, you know, uh, I'm not going to jinx anything. So, you know what? Just fuck that thought. I'm not even going to say anything. Y'all know where I was going with it. So just you interpret that from there, because I'm not going to be the guy who jinxes you know, anything. So hey, it take, um, take, takes a big man to stop a take just for the sake I, of the guy staying healthy. So that was that's yeah. mighty, mighty big of you. Um, but yeah, where you were going with it. I understand and I agree. Um, so, you know, I, I do think, you know, Notre Dame, they'll figure it out. You know, they're they're one of the best programs in the nation for a reason. You know, I think that Coach Corrigan has has the boys uh, in a spot where, you know, it's kind of like a, I don't, I don't want to get too like Belichick here, but like a next man up type of deal. Um, the only thing is, you know, it's still going to take them a little while to figure out that, you know, how to play without a kid like Garnsey. And I don't think that Maryland is a team that necessarily allows you to kind of 
figure it out. You know, it's like you, you need your shit on point if you're going to knock down the Terps right now. Um, so for a team like Notre Dame, who's still trying to figure out what their identity is going to be without Garnsey this season, uh, it's it's just not a uh, it's not a very friendly environment to take on the Terps and and try to uh, you know figure it out as it goes against the team like that. Uh, so you know I've I've got Maryland coming out on this one, and I mean again it's just it comes down to teams who are able to set up guys. Uh, you know, so, you know, you, you look at some of the stats that Maryland has. I mean, like you, like you mentioned, Logan Wisnowskis, 12 assists, uh, Bernhardt was seven granted, you know, they played three more games than Notre Dame, but like they're setting guys up to get those dunk goals. Um, when Notre Dame, it, they're really just relying on like a guy just finding himself some room and just gripping and ripping. Uh, so it's, it's a tough way to win a game. So I, I've got Maryland coming out on top of this one. I, I feel like you're, you're with there. You're right there. I'm with, with that. Yeah, I'm with that. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to count out Notre Dame because of Corrigan and because of, you know, they've, they've got some shooters, but you know, you don't, you're not going to walk into the, you know, you're not going to walk into a game against Maryland and, you know, quote unquote, trying to be fi- still figuring it out. You know, it's just it's not going to happen. It's not that's not a team to be figuring shit out of it against. All right. So well, there we go. So those are those are the big games. I mean, obviously, there are plenty more matchups, but those are the, the marquee games. So I believe we are both on Penn State over Penn. Uh, where where did we fall on Denver UNC? So I, I had I had Tierney and the Pios coming out on top of that one. I'll take I'll take the heels um, because I'm a heels fan. I, I will I will take the heels against Denver. All right, then. Uh, so I went. I went. Cuse over Virginia. Did we ever get a? Uh, a, a, a I don't. I don't think that I made a prediction. I don't, I don't think that I ever made a prediction. I will go with Cuse. Um, I. I don't know if that freshman. I think he's a freshman. I. I don't know, but I don't know if Virginia's uh, goalie is going to be able to handle what Cuse throws at him. Yeah, he is a freshman, by the way, in 24 okay. seconds. He's fucking ludicrous. So absolute beast, but I, I think that the Dome Gods might get him a little bit here. Uh, Hopkins, Princeton. I, I don't know if I – I think I went. I'm I'm going to go Hopkins on this one. Um, but I, that, that's, that's one, though, where like that coming out of my mouth right there, I was like, oh, you're a fucking idiot. Like that's definitely wrong. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going Hopkins, but like I would fade myself if I were to do it again, I'll take Hopkins again. Uh, I'll take Hopkins with you. I, I, I know we're both probably wrong though. That's, it's just, that's just be like that. That, that, that's just the way she goes. Sometimes, sometimes she goes, sometimes she don't. Uh, and then we are both on Terps over Notre Dame. So another, another solid weekend of college across. I think, uh, you know, I think the biggest game of the week already happened on Wednesday. So if you didn't get a chance to watch that, like figure out a way to get the replay of that game, it should probably be on lack Sportsnet somewhere. Um, but you know, again, another, another week of college across where it's just been pure chaos. No one knows what to expect. You can't ask for much more. So grab yourself some friends, grab yourself some cold ones, get a couch, Throw some lacks on the on the TV and have yourselves a weekend, boys and girls. I uh, totally agree. Get the boys together, you know, maybe crush a couple bang energy drinks and hit each other with, you know, sacks of flour until somebody bleeds. I don't know, man. Just have a fucking weekend. Uh all right. Hey, shout out to Bang. We uh we could definitely use a sponsor on the pod. So uh if, damn right. A VPX yeah. sports product. <laughs> 
Uh, also, make sure to follow us on our social channels. That is at the Crease Dive on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and yeah, let's have ourselves a weekend. And remember, we're keeping it low to high to the day we die. We out. Screen and all.